Good morning. It's nice to be here. My name's Adam, and I'm kind of tag-teaming with Sarah this morning. So you get me at the beginning and then Sarah next. So last week, if you were here, I told the very cute story that we got a puppy. We've had the puppy for a week. At this very moment, it is the debut first-time experience of leaving the puppy at home on its own. And we're hoping that when we open the door and we go back, the things are largely where they were. Uh, the puppy I described as dangerously cute uh, is both beautiful and annoying at the same time. Continues to leave parcels in different places overnight, uh, but less than what we were receiving at first. And then has this kind of head tilt moment where she looks at you with these blue eyes and seemingly everything is okay. Uh, I say this story because distractions in life happen, and some of them are good, some of them add to us, some of them are fun, some of them are puppies, and in a family home, that's fun, but there are other distractions that take away from us, and this is important because it feels like the last year and a half, we've lived through some complexities that have been huge distractions, different worldviews, different political opinions, different ideas around how we navigate a pandemic. These things are important and are valid and are worth considering, but in themselves risk being a distraction. And the tragedy of a distraction is that we miss something that's more important because our attention was consumed by something that was less important. And here's the biggest challenge. Often, we don't know it's happening until way after the moment where we realize something that's important has kind of dwindled and died, while something that was less important has consumed so much of our time and energy and conversation. And tonight, tonight, where are we? This morning, I want to look at this. I want to explore this, and Sarah's going to do more than this. Uh, it's important. If you've ever used the phrase, I'm so busy, I'm exhausted, I've got no time, if that is your, your setting, if that is your calendar, then this is for you. This is not to make you feel bad, because often the things that you're doing are good, this is the challenge with distractions. It's easy to avoid a distraction that we don't like. It's hard to avoid a distraction that we do like or that's positive or that's making a difference. But I want to explore all of that today, and Sarah's going to go further in this direction. At the beginning of this series, this is the third week, we've been talking about what does it mean to live well. The first week, I held up a trellis, a gardening trellis, and I said that this framework exists that we would be fruitful. Now, the goal of this series is not to talk about trellises and what rules or patterns that you need to put into place. The goal was never the prop or the structure, but the structure exists that we would bear fruit. And today we're going to look at Jesus saying, I want you to bear fruit. How do you bear fruit? But there is a challenge in terms of busyness and multitasking and so on. I want to read an extract from a book. This book is called The Power of Slow. I feel like a hypocrite because I haven't been living particularly slow the last few years, moving country, moving jobs, moving house, etc., etc. 
doesn't operate in a very slow way. So this is one of those books which sits on my bookcase and at times tells me off, but there's a quote in there which I want to bring to your attention, which kind of sums up the way we often live. Listen to this. Trying to do too many things at once produces the jangled, error-prone condition that used to be called stress, but is now referred to as multitasking. For many who are entrenched in the Protestant work ethic of diligence and virtue, multitasking has been held as the ultimate life skill. It is no accident that the popularity has coincided with the most unprecedented technological advancements in history. Now, we can talk on the phone while driving, listen to music while exercising. We've come to consider multitasking as an ordinary state of being. As a result, we've become so accustomed to dividing our attention between two or more places that many of us end up at the end of the day looking for ways to combat the results of this frenzy, fuzzy head thinking and lack of focus. We often don't notice what we're losing in one hand because of what we believe we're gaining in the other. That's what distraction does. In a New York Times article, neuroscientist and director of the Human Information Processing Laboratory at, Land at Vanderbilt University, Rene Maurice, is quoted as saying, our core limitation is an ability to concentrate on multiple things at once. If we are in agreement of the inability to do this, why do we feel so compelled to attempt the impossible? Interesting. Let me illustrate this for you. We believe that we can do lots of things at once. We believe that we're not neglecting one thing or the other. So for those that like a visual illustration, in our desire to be everywhere and to display our attention and energy, we believe we look like this. Let's put this picture on the screen. I've got two pictures to illustrate this. We believe we look like this, that we can be splayed in many different directions and still be effective. What we actually look like, sound like, feel like, is more like this. <laughs> it happens, but yet we still keep trying to do things. And the tragedy, and this is where this message is important, is we could miss the one thing that's really important because of the other things. If you've got your Bibles, turn to John 15. I'm going to read this, and then Sarah's going to come and expand some more. John 15. And we're looking at verse 4 to 11. Whenever I prepare, or we talked about this, there's always a sense of importance. We hope that what we're bringing, what we're saying, what we're looking at is, you know, is good and is valid and is important and is timely. And hopefully you nod that most of the time that would be the case. This message feels really important. One of my biggest frustrations with 2021 is we've lost so much as people. Connection, community, unity, agreement. It feels almost like the, the consequences of last year have largely been manifest this year. Last year we went into how do we get through this? This is a shock. This year things have come back and some things just don't look like they were and, and it's cost us. This is really important. What is Jesus saying? 
What do we gather around? What are we doing? John 15, verse 4 to 11 says this. Remain in me. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. As I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't care how good you think you are at multitasking, you can't. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you, that, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. In concluding before Sarah comes... The goal of Jesus, the why that Jesus is giving this message is love. And the consequences of that love is fruit. Often in our activity and busyness and multitasking, we want to be fruitful. It's good to want to be fruitful. But the key to fruitfulness is found in remaining in Jesus. Let's explore that some more, Sarah. Father, we give you our attention. Just invite you to close your eyes wherever you are and give him your attention for a minute. We tune out all other things right now. And we give you our attention. We give you our affection. Take over, Holy Spirit. So when we talk about God's presence... It's, we're talking about him. It's, we can't separate him from his presence. And it sounds simple to say, but sometimes we can talk about the presence. It's him. And it's, it's really interesting, too, to know that I found out this recently, that in the Old Testament, which was written in, originally in, in Hebrew, there is no word for presence. The word is face. I love that. We can't separate his presence from him. It's, it's him. And um, I heard someone say it like this. They said that when we talk about hearing God's voice, we talk about God talking to us. Well, his voice comes from his mouth. His mouth is on his face, and his face is him. It was um, Eric Gilmore. I love that. 
Um, if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Exodus chapter 3? This is not going to be on the screen, but it's Exodus 3, and it's verses 1 to 4. And this is Moses. How many of you have heard the burning bush story before? A lot of you, yeah. I have too. And I, I was reading this recently, and I saw something here that I hadn't noticed before. So, Exodus 3. Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw, though, that the though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And this is the bit that I want to focus on. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. So it was when God saw that Moses gave him his attention, then he spoke to Moses, and he said something to him that changed not only the course of his life, but many of you know the story of what happened after that. He had an encounter with God that totally changed everything. But it was only because he looked and he gave God his attention. And then God met with him. I love that. So when we, Adam talked about distractions and, and he talked about giving God our attention and, and not multitasking. Um, when we talk about worship, we can worship in all sorts of different ways, but the essence of, of what worship is, is we have to, we're thinking about who is it for? Who is, what is it, what is it and who is it for? The essence of it is, I'm going to read an, another scripture from Genesis. And this is Genesis 2. And this is also not on the screen, but you don't have to turn there. But if you want to, you can. It's Genesis chapter 2, and it's verse 7. And this is when Adam, God creates Adam. And I just, I, this is, I think, the first moment of worship in the Bible. And I love this. So in Genesis 2, it says that he created Adam from the dust. And it says, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. Okay, so he formed him completely, and he was there. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So it wasn't until God's breath entered him that he became a living being. And so if you can picture, try and picture that and picture what it must have been like for Adam to, like, to receive his first breath and to receive the breath of God. And then because he received his first breath, he then breathed, he breathed in. And then he breathed out again. 
And then he opened his eyes and he saw the face of God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what that must have been like? To have the first thing that you see when you open your eyes be the face of God. So he breathed God's breath in. And then he breathed his, the breath that God had given him, he breathed it back to God. And then he saw God's face. That's worship. That's what worship is. So when we sing songs here together, that's what we're doing. We're giving God back ourselves and we're giving him us and we're offering that to him. And we're, and we're looking at his face. And you don't need to be in a specific place to do that. You can do that wherever you are and we can meet him anywhere because he's in here. So we worship because he's worthy. We worship because we love him. We worship because he is beautiful. We don't worship because stuff will happen, although stuff does happen when God is there. We, we don't worship because we like songs, although I like songs and I like music, but that's not why we worship. We don't need music to worship. Um, the bottom line is it's his presence. We're worshiping him and we're, we're being, we are with him. And when his presence is there, anything can happen. And that's the whole point. Because we could, we could be getting together anywhere. I mean, we might as well be, if, if God's presence isn't with us, then there's just no point. I want to read a psalm, Psalm 27.4, and I think this is going to be up on the screen. Psalm 27.4. So Adam was talking about one thing rather than many things. Yeah. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. It kind of, it reminds me of the verse that Adam read about remaining, to remain, to stay, to dwell, to dwell in the house of the Lord. And it's not a thing, it's a person. So. The one thing isn't a thing, actually. It's a person. It's the Lord. How many of you have read the story of the lady in the Bible called Mary, who, the one who pours out her, her oil on Jesus? Yeah? I've read that so many times. Um, but once again, this is one of those stories that God has opened up in a, up in a completely new way for me. So Luke 10, this, this woman appears in all the Gospels. I'm only going to read one. I'm only going to read from Luke. But this story is told in a slightly different way in each of the Gospels. But we talk about the one, the focus on one thing, and I'd like to look at her as an example. So I invite you, if you've read this story before a million times, to look at it with fresh eyes and ask the Holy Spirit to, 
to show you new things. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And this is what Jesus says to her. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Think about that. Think about what stuck out to you there. Have a look at that again. Oh, it's not there. Um, and what is it that sticks out to you? For me, what stands out to me there is that he said one thing. One thing is needed. Some of the other Gospels mention different things. I'm not going to read them all right now. But one of the things that stands out to me is she, she did not go, she was pretty much oblivious to everything around her, and she didn't go in with like a, I'm going to do this, or I, I'm going to create an atmosphere here, or she was just, she just wanted to worship, and her focus was Jesus. And then the other thing that I loved is in one of the other Gospels, I think it's Mark, and then I think another one too, Mark 14, Jesus says about her, he says, truly I tell you wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So Jesus ties the story of what she did to the proclamation of the gospel. And I thought, I think that's amazing. Um, in some of Paul's letters, he talks about his concern for the people he's writing to, that they would not lose their focus from distractions. One of the things he said in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, he says, I am afraid, he was afraid for the Corinthians that they would miss the one thing. He says, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So, you know, Eve, there's another story we've heard a million times. So before she took a bite of the apple, she looked at it. She saw that it was good. She looked at it. There is such power in where we are giving our attention. What are we giving our attention to? What are we looking at? So I would ask you that question. Who, who or what are you giving your attention to? Where's your focus? What are you looking at? Ask yourself that in your heart right now. Are you giving Jesus your, your attention? And when I was thinking, uh, asking God this morning, just, what he wanted to do today 
I saw this picture of this river that was running through this room, and I felt like there are some people that are here today who need to take a drink, a really big one. <laughs> um, and I felt like he wanted to say, uh, you know, not that we have to, you know, he, not that he, we have to be in a specific place to take a drink from this river because he's not confined to that. He's, he can live within you, and you don't ever have to have a dry time in your life because when there's a, the river of God living inside you, you don't ever have to be thirsty. But I just felt like there's some people who here today who, who it's been a really long time since you've had a drink of the river and you've had other drinks from other places and they've just not been enough. And you keep coming back and you're so thirsty. So I invite you today don't stand on the side of the river. Take a drink. And Isaiah 55 is what he was what I felt God was saying to us today. And it says, um, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? God, God wants to be experienced. He wants us to taste and see that he's good. So recently, there, I've been, there's been a couple of things that God's been showing me in my own life of places that I've been going to drink to, to, to find joy or, or whatever that I feel like I need, but that are not from him. And, and I've been putting those in the place of him. And so, and I, I've realized once again that there's nothing that satisfies like God's presence does. And once you've tasted, you're not going to want anything else. You're not going to want to go anywhere else for that. So, Whatever that is, if you feel like there are things in, that you're going to that, are, that you think are giving you what you need, but they're not, just come, just come, to, the, come to the waters today. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you now to, if, the, if you feel like that's you, and you're, you're thirsty, and it's been a while, come. Come up here. Come kneel by the cross. Come kneel where you are. And, and ask God to, to come and meet with you. And I'm going to pray. And then I invite you to pray along with me now. Jesus. Oh, we need you. We need you. We need you. Nothing else satisfies. Nothing else is enough. We were made to worship you. We were made to breathe in the breath from your lungs. We were made to see your face. We were made for you. 
So we lay down all the other things that we've been looking at and partaking in that are not you, that are just a substitute. Oh, Father, we repent for that. And we turn toward you. Come and meet with us. And we jump in to that river. We want to jump in and we want to drink from your river. Come, all who are thirsty. Is anyone thirsty? Jesus says, come to me and drink. Is anyone thirsty? Who's thirsty? Come to me and drink, he says. Come to me. Come to me. The offer is there. Come to me and drink. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would sweep through this place, that you would move in this place and that you would come and quench the thirst of your people and Jesus we thank you that you died so that we can be with you as we sang in that song that there's no space anymore there's no space anymore between us and you because you've done what needed to be done Jesus You've done it. We worship you. And um, I also, in my, I feel like there's somebody who's here who you feel unworthy and you feel like, I saw, I was driving this week and I saw a building who, which was, um, had a big X on it. I see it when I drive to the grocery store and I feel like God's saying, um, you, there's somebody that you, you just feel like you're marked for like bad things and that you're not um, worthy and that God's going to pass over you. And I feel like today God wants to remove that big X where you feel like you are labeled and marked for things that are bad. And in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would lift that off because there are no there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death and there is no accusation and there is no, nothing that can be said that can take away what Jesus has done for you so take take the truth take it in for yourself you are not marked for that you are marked with the blood of Jesus you are marked with the blood of Jesus so it's on that basis that you come to the water it's because of that that you come to the water today thank you father do what only you can do in this moment. We're all yours. We wait for you.
understand. I said at the beginning of this series, this series doesn't exist as an idea to help you live better, but it's, it's, it's challenging movement, and movement involves movement. So we're going to take this moment. The kids are happy. We don't need to collect them straight away. Uh, this cross is a great symbol of the sacrifice that God in his love made available for us. Sarah's invitation where she's quoting Jesus, is anyone thirsty? If that's you, come and kneel. If we need to move chairs, oh, I don't care about the chairs. We'll move the chairs. For some of you, you, you'd love someone to pray with you, to lay a hand on you and support you and encourage you. And on my right, your left, we have a team available to do that. So we're going to take a moment. Why don't you close your eyes and listen. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? some of you, you may need to make some functional adjustments in your calendar and we wish you well this week as you do that. For others, there's a response in this moment. I encourage you to move and respond as you need to, not to my or Sarah's invitation, but to the invitation of Jesus that, who says, is anyone thirsty? Come to me. Let's respond as we need to.